But this, this evening, we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and we're talking about the shepherds. This last Sunday, we talked about Mary, uh, Joseph and Mary, and sort of their, their perspective, their character, as far as their calling. And tonight, we're looking at the shepherds, and, um, and now we're going to really hone in on, a, on really who the shepherds were. And to me, the shepherds' role... And part in the context of Jesus' birth is actually really amazing because the gospel and location of Jesus was shared with the shepherds first because it demonstrated who Jesus came to the earth to reach. And I'm always fascinated by what Jesus was not looking for in his followers. He wasn't looking for the super rich, the extremely powerful, the ultra-religious, the overly popular, the extra-confident, Jesus came for those who knew they were unworthy and those outcasts and commoners who the religious leaders despised, which is pretty amazing. So let's, let's pray and then we'll get into uh, the scripture tonight. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for that time of worship, just to respond to, to you, to who you are. Lord, we thank you for the ways in which you've worked in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. We thank you for protection. We thank you for leading. Just there's so much to be thankful for as we look to you, Lord. We pray that you just remind us and teach us tonight from the scriptures we're going to be looking at. We just thank you that your word uh, speaks volumes to our lives, Lord, directly to where uh, we're at and what we're facing right now. And so we just pray that you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8 It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, Bethlehem shepherds were the ones who were called for, or cared for, I'm sorry, the temple flock. Now, these sheep were owned by the priests and used for sacrifices in the temple ministry. And one thing to note about these specific shepherds is because they kept watch over the sheep, they were not allowed to enter the temple to receive cleansing. They were restricted. You ever been restricted or rejected? The shepherds were restricted. Because the bottom line is here that these shepherds would have been considered unclean. And this is a beautiful reality because the first to hear of Jesus' birth, uh, you know, were these shepherds, the outcasts, the ones who were considered unclean. Being a shepherd, it was not considered prestigious or glamorous. You know, and as, as kids, you know, Jews didn't dream of usually being a shepherd. I can't, you know, it was a humbling and lowly occupation. Now, shepherds are mentioned many times all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And Abraham, Moses, David, they were shepherds. Moses tended, it says, tended and led the flock for years. Now, David in the Psalms, he actually writes about the responsibilities and the concerns of shepherds. You know, it wasn't an easy job. You know, Psalm 78, which was written by Asaph, describes David as a shepherd. So Psalm 78, let me read you these couple verses here. Psalm 78, verse 70 to 72, says this, He also chose David, his servant, and took him for the sheepfolds. From following the 
ewes that had young he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillful, skillful, skillfulness sorry, of his hands. And so a few characteristics of shepherds. There's a lot, but just a couple. Integrity. This means moral. It means complete. It means simple. Like our society shuns this word, right? But God blesses those who have integrity. Skill, which means understanding and wisdom. That, you know, the stereotype for the shepherds, they were unlearned, they were dumb. They were just dumb shepherds. That was kind of the outlook of people, but they needed skill. They had to have integrity. They guided them. They were leaders. Shepherds were leaders of the flock. And spiritual leadership really like parallels with shepherds throughout, especially the New Testament. But in Jesus' day, he referred to himself as the good shepherd. Jesus used qualities of a good shepherd to teach these vital truths. So Abraham, Moses, uh, David, they went on to lead people. <laughs> they were shepherds first, trained up in the fields, and then they went on to lead the people of God. It's almost like here's a, pre a prerequisite, right? Like you can be a shepherd, you're going to lead people now. Um, so let me... On those lines, let me read another uh, portion of Scripture in John chapter 10, verse 2 to 4. Jesus says this, he says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So the shepherd cares for the sheep, and they know his voice and follow him. And that's a beautiful parallel, because the Lord knows your voice. He knows your heart better than you know your heart. He knows how many hairs are on your head, or how many hairs are not on your head. Like, he knows everything, right? All of, all of us. But he protects the sheep and has patience when sheep don't listen, because sometimes they don't listen. And I love that because that is a picture of God's patience and long-suffering. Aren't you glad that God has patience with you, with me? I'm so glad for his patience. He works hard, you know, the shepherd works hard and gets, uh, you know, little sleep as he protects the sheep. I mean, that's, that's his 24-7, that's his job. The shepherd, it's focused on one thing, right, his flock. He's focused on his flock. You know, so the character qualities of shepherds pleases God. So shepherds were, let me give you a few things. Shepherds were diligent, which means persevering attention. It means effort to accomplish something. Shepherds would look out for the poisonous plants when they were roaming around, when they were out there. They would look out for the poisonous plants, make sure the sheep didn't eat those. Don't eat those. Stay away from those. He'd rip them out. And he would look out for predators, always. He was always aware. It wasn't like, ah, I'm just going to relax and hang out and read a book. No, he was always looking around. There's predators just sneaking up, ready to devour these sheep. He would keep them healthy. Uh, he would keep them away from diseases and insects. There were certain flies that went into the uh, nose, laid eggs, went into the brain, and caused the sheep to have seizures. Like, there's all these dangers out there. And so he would make sure they would, don't wander off. If they wandered off, he would, he would go after them. So shepherds had to be diligent. They weren't just hanging out out there all day just being like, oh, it's a nice day. Like, they had work to do. Number two, shepherds had to be dependable, which means worthy of trust. It means reliable. 
You know, shepherds couldn't take a week or a day of vacation. They had to be watchful constantly, even through the night. They had to be aware. It's kind of like your kids. You know, when, when our kids, thankfully, they didn't do this that much because we had to discipline them because when you're at the, you know, when you're at the mall or at the store, or something, clothing store especially, they would run inside of their clothing and be like, they think it's funny to hide. And we'd be like, where are they? And we would freak out. We're looking everywhere for them. And so... We ha- you have to keep your eye out. You have to be aware. They had to be dependable, though. They had to be trustworthy. Number three, they had to be brave, which means courageous. It means having endurance. You know, sheep are defenseless animals, and sheep rely 100% on the shepherd. So shepherds carry a rod with them to protect their sheep against wolves, against coyotes, against lions, against bears. Thieves would actually sometimes pretend to be shepherds in order to steal the flock. So they even had to protect them against humans. Like, shepherds could not be cowardly sissies. They, they had to be brave. They had to be brave. So diligent, dependable, brave. The sheep were harmless, but their predators were ruthless. And so they risked their lives often to protect their flock. I mean, let's, let me just read you a few verses in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 to 36 34 to 36 says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. That's pretty radical, right? That's manly. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine, obviously Goliath, will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Wow. Shepherds, they needed to be strong to stand up and fight predators. David, the shepherd boy, went like Braveheart, you know, on, on, these, uh, on these sheep's enemies when he saw them, and which was why he was called to fight Goliath, because he was already tested, he was tried. Jesus and his disciples used shepherds as a model for Christian overseers, actually. When restoring Peter, Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, three times, right? He, re- he uh, denied Christ three times. He had to answer three times when Jesus asked, do you love me? And in Acts, in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it actually says, pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has appointed you overseers to shepherd the congregation of God, which you purchased with, his, with the blood of his own son. So what an amazing and clear like parallel. God let the shepherds know of Jesus' birth first. They heard the gospel, if you will, first, because it modeled who Jesus came for. And it really demonstrated the love of the Lord and the fact that he sent Jesus, not for those who already thought they were well, but those who knew they were sick, unholy, unworthy sinners. Jesus was born so the forgotten, for the, so the unseen could be seen and saved and adopted and, and accepted. So, verse 9, it says, And behold, Luke 2, 9, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So these temple shepherds were doing their jobs out in the field, tending their sheep on a quiet, somber night. And then an angel stood before them. So the presence of an angel and the glory of the Lord showed up. And, and what a shocking and divine interruption. I'll never forget at one point, uh, my wife, who's awesome, uh, made, <laughs> made this uh, s'mores cake and the marshmallow on top, and it all caught fire. It all caught fire. <laughs> we took it out. The whole thing was on fire. And uh, it was really unexpected. It still tasted really good once we scraped it off. Um, but... <laughs> But it was, a fight. it was unexpected. It was kind of, and then someone from church got us a fire extinguisher for a joke. It was awesome. But, um, but this was like an unexpected, like, interruption. The shepherds, like, what is going on? Okay, an angel shows up. This is, this is the, so this first angel brought good tidings, right? First it was a single angel, which in Greek literally means, good tidings mean to preach the gospel to these lowly shepherds. Why announce this to these first century outcasts? Shepherds did not have a good reputation, not because they proved unreliable, but because they were seen as lowly shepherds. What's interesting is that the first to preach the gospel, to relay the announcement of the Savior after he was born, was an angel. An angel means messenger. And this message, the gospel, is the most important message ever. So verse 11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Humanity needed the one thing that the angel announced, a savior, a rescuer, a deliverer. And we'll look at that on Sunday. But the angel said, you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. So verse 12, after this one angel's announcement, a, a whole fleet of angels showed up, a whole choir, you could say, a heavenly host, which actually is translated a band of soldiers who proclaimed peace. Soldiers that proclaim peace. It's pretty cool. But the world is searching for peace. Without Christ, though, true and permanent peace is completely impossible. Peace here means, it means quietness. It means rest. It means a state of national tranquility, exemption from havoc and war, security and safety. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. When we're cognizant of Christ's peace, we can actually find heart rest in hard times. I'll never forget this one time I was driving back from Louisiana, and I understand we've all been through really intense storms, but this one was like you could not see six inches in front of the car. Like I was driving alone, and it was such a bad storm, and the car was shaking. Everyone was pulled over to the side. Lights were blinking, and um, I probably should have pulled over to the side like everyone else, but the guy in front of me just kept going, so I was like, I'm going to follow this dude. We're in this till the end, you know, because <laughs> it was insane, but we were going like five miles an hour, and I was just, I never prayed, so like I don't get scared that much because I don't, you die, I don't even care. You die, I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm, I don't care, but this was scary because I was like, it was insane. You could not see anything except I barely saw the blinking lights like right in front of me, and so I was, I never prayed so hard in my life. I was like, Lord... <laughs> But he gave me peace and heart rest even during that crazy and intense storm. I've never seen anything like it. And I was praying like a Jesus freak, you know, but uh, I just kept going. I just kept going. And, and that's the thing. God will give us that peace. External circumstances can be crazy, uh, you know, 
seem like just the worst thing ever. We can just seem like we're struggling externally. We're like, is nothing, is anything going right? You know, just you have one of those days, you're like, everything is bad. But even during those times, we can still have rest and peace in our heart because we know the Lord. And so internally, we're good, even though there's storms that surround us. So what happens? Well, in verse 15 and 16, it says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So they were stoked. Let's go. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So he said, Let us go now. The angels were, I believe, excited about this prophetic announcement, and just they got going. You know, you, you ever been excited about something and, you know, about what God is doing and, and maybe what he's revealed to you, and you're just raring to go. You're like, let's go. I mean, you're just super excited. Let's go forward. And I was like, you know, visiting Israel like, was like that for me. I only, I only taught, uh, I taught once in the shepherd's field. It was awesome. And, but then I got to just enjoy you know, it was just, I, I was so looking forward to it, I was so expectant, and it just, it was beyond my expectations how amazing it was. Uh, one time at the Garden of Gethsemane, they were having like a service, and all the 50 or 60 people that were with us were there, and I was just like, and I don't get emotional, but I was emotional the whole time. I was like off in the corner by myself, just thinking about this is where Jesus was, like sweating, as it were, great drops of blood, and it's just, it was beyond expectations. But so the shepherds were, it was announced to them, you know, they saw Jesus, they're like, let's go, let's go tell everyone. Let's, let, they were stoked, right? And it says, when they see this thing that has come to pass, so they were con- con- going to confirm first and then go evangelize. But the angel gave the shepherds information to get them to Jesus. And that's, that's true. Like we too have been given directives, directions to let people know who Jesus is. We can bring people to Jesus and we can let them know what the gospel means. That's actually our job. That's part of the Great Commission. Now, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes was common. What got them to Jesus and was unique was that they found him in a manger, in a cave, in a feeding trough. There was Jesus. This specific sign would narrow down what the shepherds were actually looking for. And don't you love the Lord? Like, he directs us often so specifically. You know, process of elimination sometimes. You're like, going there, there's three doors. Two of them shut, there's one open, that's where I'm going. Okay, I get it, Lord. He brings clarity as we seek him. God, his will becomes more, I mean, so clear. It said, so he found Mary, they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Again, when God leads and we just obey, we will arrive at the place and promise that the Lord ordains. We'll arrive there. In order to be led by God, though, we need to listen to God. Can't be led by God if we don't listen to God. I mean, when it comes to prayer, you know, I would just say be an active listener. Because we know prayer is not just a monologue. It's not just, you know, spouting off all the stuff that you want and then not listening. Thanks, God. See ya. But it's like being still and quiet and listening. Be an active listener as you seek the Lord. It's a two-way conversation. So someone once said, uh, you, you are born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your decisions. So when we listen to God, we're going to make the right decisions. If we just say, hey, that looks like a good idea, let's go. You know, if you're kind of rash like that, I can be like that sometimes. That's why I'm so thankful I have a wife to say, like, slowly roll. Hold on a second. Did you pray about this? But no, no, but they, pray about it. Or no, we don't have time. <laughs> or whatever, you know. So, 
pray about it, you know, seek the Lord on it, and then listen. And when he gives confirmation, then move ahead with his directive, whether it's yes, no, stop, wait, go slower. But when we listen to God, we're going to make the right decision. So the Christian life, it's all about staying connected to the Lord and obeying, right? It's, it's about listening for his voice and following what he says, even if it seems out in left field. See, God loves giving us gifts, but sometimes you don't like the way that they're wrapped. You know, like on the onset, God's leading and directives may seem like something we don't want. Like, mm, I don't know about that. You're calling me to that? I don't know about that, God. Yet the, you open it and realize this is exactly what God wanted and exactly what we needed. You know, God's will isn't always blue skies on a sunny day. You know, he, he may lead us through storms and desert seasons, yet doing his will is worth it because he's, it's all for our good and his glory, right? And so following him, listen, pray, seek him, you know, share your heart with him, but also be still and listen for his response. And then in verse 17, it says, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Marveled means just amazed. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. So uh, the angels relayed the the gospel, you know, relayed the location and the gospel to the shepherds who heard and heeded and then made their way to see Jesus. Now, the shepherds were stoked and so spread the story of what they heard and experienced. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I think that's a, there's a couple exhortations right there. Number one, share what you've seen. Sharing what the Lord has done in your life, how you've seen, how you've seen him work and move, it's powerful. It's an excellent way of talking to others about your faith. Share what you've seen. You can't argue with what you've seen. You're not delusional. You saw God move. You saw the results of prayer. You saw him bless you in ways you didn't even expect. So share what you've seen. Number two, share what you've experienced. Telling family and friends of miracles God has done in your life, it's a, again, it's a great action to take. How can they argue with you? It's your life, right? So the Lord is working. Personal testimonies are powerful. So those who heard these things, they marveled. The hearers knew this was something like significant. And I like what C.S. Lewis said. He wrote, or wrote, he wrote, once in our world, a stable had, some, had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. A stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. The birth of Jesus opened eyes, and people listened, were listening to the shepherds. They were amazed. And are we amazed as we look to Jesus? Are we in awe of him? I mean, we should be. Yeah. So the shepherds were stoked, excited. They saw Jesus. They said, let's go tell the world. Mary, on the other hand, she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, it says. Mary, Mary had a different response than the shepherds. Now, again, the shepherds went out and shared. Mary kept these things in her heart, seeking to understand the meaning of what was going on. And that's the thing, you guys, like we are in different seasons, sometimes just spiritually growing, just taking in, learning, God saying, just keep learning, keep seeking me, stay in my word, stay in fellowship. Other times we're like, it's time to go, let's go share, I'm, I'm, I'm raring to go, the Holy Spirit's leading, let's go. 
But think about it from Mary's perspective. She'd been through some unconventional and unexpected things, right? It, it makes sense. She kept some of these things in her heart to try just to, to like, you know, take it in and process these things. Now, this journey wasn't a breeze, right? It had to be, had to be tough, but also the biggest blessing ever. And that kind of sums up the Christian life. Our journey following the Lord, the journey is not always smooth, yet we see God's hand in it all, and being in his will should make us marvel. Like he knows our voice. We seek him and we stay on the path that he has for us, even if it's rocky, bumpy, difficult. We are all running our own race in our own divine lane. I would say let's not attempt to try to get in someone else's lane because we think they have it better. No, you, if you're in God's will, you have it the best it can be. God has his specific will and calling for each of us, and he equips us for that specific calling. And so I love verse 20. It says, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, and it was told them. The shepherds were blessed. They were overwhelmed. They were joyful, and they praised the Lord because the word was fulfilled just as it was told them. One commentator said, if the cradle of Christ had such an effect upon them as to make them rise from the stable and the manger to heaven, how much more powerful ought the death and resurrection of Christ be in raising us to God? We're living in between Jesus' ascension and his second coming. We know the whole redemption plan of God as we look at the birth of Christ. And so the birth of Jesus, it was a tangible signal that all biblical prophecies were true. And God chose to let outcasts, the poor, the lowly shepherds, hear the gospel first. And they responded, and they saw Jesus, and they told everyone. See, at first there was no room, remember, there was no room for, for Mary to give birth to Jesus. There was no room at the end. And let me just leave you with this thought. Each of us, in a sense, is, is an innkeeper who decides if there's room for Jesus. Do we have room for Jesus? Make room for Jesus in our lives. Sometimes things out here in the world crowd out the Lord. But when we're filled with, with him, when Christ truly is, is dwelling within our hearts, it's going to crowd out everything else, all the things that don't matter. Make room for Jesus. Let him take over. Let him take control and watch him work. You know, know him. We get to know him, and we get to make him know. Amen?